Father, we come to pray throne of grace. We thank you for this wonderful time that you brought all our brothers and sisters together. Lord, you ordain each one of our steps, O oh Lord. Father, we know that we live in your in you. We dwell in you. We have a being in you, Master. Lord, nothing happens to us without your knowledge. And nothing is an accident in our lives, O oh Lord. Lord, you ordain our times and our places that we need to be. And we thank you, Lord, because you have ordained and purposed in your heart that we might gather here this day, this time, to hear from your word, to pray, to intercede, to fellowship and to encourage one another, Master. Holy Spirit, teach us from your word that the light of the gospel of Yeshua, Jesus Christ, shall shine so bright that we shall be conformed to that same image and dwell in him. We thank you because you are faithful to your word that you make us conform each day by, by looking into your mirror, the mirror of God's word. We thank you and we worship you. Anoint this time, anoint my lips, O Master. Anoint the words that are spoken here because it comes from the teacher, the Holy Spirit himself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God is good? Amen. God's good. I'm so excited about the word today. Um, and also I'm more excited about also the praying for the nation, right, today. Because uh, something that we study the word today will show you the authority and the power that you and I have on earth. Because we are, we are really not earth beings, right? We are inhabitants of heaven. We are inhabitants of heaven, right? So we have authority that the world does not have. It's very interesting. Okay, so this whole year, God has started us on this season of this dwelling place, right? We started off, it really started last Christmas when God was showing us that we are a holy nation, that God has called us to be separated. So, it's so very interesting that we have learned a lot about we are sins, right? We, in Christianity, we learned a lot that we are sinners, we are sinners, and we are that God has saved us from our sins. So we identify with the sins, and we identify that Christ suffered for our sins, therefore we suffered, right? Because he took our penalty, so he took our suffering. So we identify with the suffering, isn't it? He took our suffering, right? It's our penalty. Then we identify with his death. Correct? Jesus died. He did not die his death. He died my death. Correct? So we identify with his death. Then we identify with his resurrection. Right? So we are born again. Jesus was resurrected and we are born again. So he has, we have a new spirit. So we identify with his resurrection. And then we stop. Isn't it? But actually something else happened. Jesus was raised and now he's separated. Interesting. That aspect, as we as believers, have totally missed. You see that? Because see what happened. When Jesus was raised, he was raised where? On the earth. Correct? Correct? He was raised on the earth. He had a new birth. But something happened after 40 days. What happened? He was separated. You see that difference? So when everything else, you identify with it, how are you not identifying with the separation? Isn't that, is that interesting? See, why has the enemy hidden your identification of everything? He doesn't care about the fact that you suffer, you die, you rose again. But he doesn't want you to know that you are now separated far above all principality and power and kingdom and darkness because that that, my brothers and sisters, is consequential. Why? Because if you know that, 
friendship. He doesn't want you to know that. That you are separated. He used, so what happened was, for the longest time in Christianity, the word that was used for separation was a word called holy. So Satan had this he, 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 he plays word games. That's how he does. He lives by words. He uses words. See, the dragon comes after the woman and his seed and he, and he, he spewed water out like a flood to carry away the woman and the child. Correct? Water flood. Flood is words, accusation, deceiving. See how he deceives. That's how he deceived the first woman, right? He's used words to deceive. See, he uses words. So he saw this word called God and said that now you are a holy people. Because God, Jesus is holy. So he used the word holy and transposed it with the meaning called without sin. That's not the intended meaning of the word holy. Holy means separated far above. So we identified with his sufferings, his death, his resurrection. What now? We are separated just as Jesus is separated far above every king, power and kingdom and seated at the right hand and on a place called Holy Mountain. And you know, how many, how many of you have heard a preaching or a message on this dwelling place called Holy Mountain? You never heard? I've never, I've not heard. Because it's always pushed into something that will happen to us in the future. It's about a new Jerusalem that you will one day go to. It's about where the lion will lie down with the lamb. One day. One, when God will wipe away your tears from every eye. One day. You see, he's pushed this whole concept of holiness and separation and supply and the ability that Satan cannot touch you way into the future. Let me ask you a question. In the new heaven, why do you have to be separated? Because Satan himself is bound. So is it consequential then? Or is it consequential now? You see? You see the trick? So he said, if I can push it into the future, then you, don't, you, don't, you, will, you are willing to suffer the afflictions that the world suffers. By choice. Because now you are a priest and a king. You can decide what to suffer, what not to suffer. Ah, that's... That's controversial, right? But you are a priest and a king. See, I will show you something very powerful. Today you will see something, something so powerful that you never seen. Maybe you've never seen from Esther's story. It's very powerful. Now, so many times. This message of this dwelling place can go on for many, many, many months. But we're going to conclude today. What last time we studied called your unshakable place, right? We said when the world shakes, it is not shake to you because your shaking actually happened. When did your shaking happen? When Jesus died on the cross, he was shaken. And that was the shaking. That shaking was not Jesus shaking. That was the shaking that you were supposed to shake. What happened with that shaking? Haggai talks about it. Once again I will shake, he said. Once again I will shake. And what happened? The wealth of the nations will come to you. Because of the shaking that happened on the cross to Jesus, the glory and the wealth of the nations came to his kingdom. Right? It's come to the believers. It has come to believers. But it's been hidden. So what happens is, the Bible says, the shaking that's happening in the world is not the shaking that you will be subject to. See, that is why on the day when the earthquake happened, on the day on, on Jesus died, that earthquake killed how many people? 
The earthquake is recorded. The, the rock split was recorded. How many people died? No. Nobody died. Because who died? Jesus died. That shaking, that shaking killed the Son of God. So the shaking, our shaking is over. It killed the Son of God. Brothers and sisters, our shaking is over. Now the next shaking is the shaking that Jesus said. You will be pressed down, shaken together, running over. The shaking that you and I suffer is the shaking to fill you up. I'm telling you, don't mix up words. What? See, this is where the separation is. You are no longer on the, in the earth. You are right now in heaven. The shaking has happened. For you, the shaking happened. First Samuel chapter 22 talks about how Jesus died on the cross. Samuel chapter, uh, Psalms chapter 9, I think, right? Talks about the same. Two passages talks about how Jesus suffered, right? The sh- shaking that happened there. It's all there, but it all happened in the spiritual realm. It shook. The temple shook. And God came down and rescued Jesus out. Because he suffered his final shaking. All shaking is over, brothers and sisters. So now when the shaking is happening, that's not supposed to touch us, right? The shaking that Haggai promised is the shaking that will fill up the latter temple with the glory. Who is the latter temple? We are the latter temple. Amen? You know, people talk about in prophecy that God, there, there is a new temple that will be built in Jerusalem. You know, people are missing it. Because Jesus said very clearly, destroy this temple and in three days I will build it up. Now tell me, ask, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus lie? Jesus didn't lie. In fact, this accusation condemned Jesus to the cross. Because during judgment, the only accusation that kind of stuck was, he said that you can build this, he, he, will, we can, he will destroy the temple and in three days he will build it up. So that accusation, accusation of all the accusations that happened around Jesus during the trial was the only legitimate accusation that the temple will be destroyed, but they said that he will destroy. Jesus didn't destroy his temple, but in a way he subject his temple to be destroyed. Correct? He allowed, he sent his captivity. His the Basama says he sent his strength into captivity. He's talking about the ark. Jesus is the ark of God. Correct? He sent him into captivity. So beautiful. And Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will build it up. So let me ask you a question. Did he build it up in three days? Yes. So the temple is built. When did it happen? In three days. So you are in the temple. See, guess what? The Satan doesn't want you to know that you are in the temple right now. What is the power of the temple? In the temple, nobody can access. See, it is so difficult, it is so dangerous to access the temple. In fact, when the, the old the shadow of the real temple, when it was in Jerusalem, you couldn't get into the outer court. Gentiles could not get into the outer court. Then once they could get, they could not get into the holy, in the holy place. Then even if they are they're very pure, they could once in a year, one high priest having cleansed himself with all the blood of bulls could finally go once into the most holy place. I mean, it is, it is dangerous. Was there any army protecting the temple? No. But why were people afraid to go into the temple? They would be struck. Because their righteousness 
was not enough to access the most holy place. You see, God's holiness was protected by cherubims that were flashing swords from the Garden of Eden. See, that, and the Bible says the veil was the flesh of Jesus Christ. So if somebody had to die, somebody has to go through the flashing swords of the cherubim. Guess what's, what was on the veil of the temple? Do you know what was on the veil of the temple? Embroidered patterns of cherubim holding flashing swords. <laughs> Go and read it. It's the same cherubim that was there in the Garden of Eden with flashing swords pointing at me. Finally, that is why the veil of the temple was torn. Because the Bible says the veil is the body of Jesus Christ. So somebody has to go through that sword. So who went through? Jesus Christ. That's how the last mention of the sword in the Old, in the Old Testament is in, Zechari in Zechariah. Awake, O sword, and strike my shepherd. And the sheep will be scattered. See, the final, the first mention of the sword is the cherubim holding the sword in the garden of Eden. The last mention of the sword is the same sword striking my shepherd. That means Jesus Christ. Therefore, we could now, it's like a minefield, cleared. Minefield is cleared, but guess what? Somebody died and you could walk over the bodies and get into the most holy place. We walk through the body of Jesus Christ. Make sense? See, everything is prophetic and everything is real. Right? So, so it, it was dangerous. So, holiness was, is now granted to us. Right? So now this temple, now you are the temple of God. Amen? You are the temple. In fact, to the Revelation Church, to the Church of Philadelphia, you should read it. The promise, you remember Philadelphia Church is always known as the good church. Right? And uh, Jesus promised I will make you a pillar in my temple and you shall go out no more. Why is it a blessing? Why is that a blessing? Because he says, you are in the temple. That is, nobody can access the temple. Satan cannot come into the temple. The wicked one cannot come into the temple. Listen to this. The wicked one does not have access into the temple. You are in the temple. The wicked one does not have access into the temple. Make sense? So you say, but I am suffering. Hold it. Let me tell you, you are in the temple. The wicked one has no access into the temple. Right? Okay, so we understood, we studied last time that you are unshakable place and the message is on livingthevictory.org so if you ever get a chance, you can go and listen to it again. Uh, it's, it was three hour, three and a half hour message. <laughs> I don't know how many of you guys survived last time. <laughs> it was long, so you can listen I to it. I went back and listened again. You did? Yeah? I went back and listened You went back and it's powerful. God was showing so much truths in that message, you know. Your unshakable place. Your unshakable place. So listen to it again because it's, it's all come from the Spirit of God. It's all from the Word of God. So you're learning from it and you can take notes and you can share and just teach this. Teach this because it's a revelation of your identification with the separation that believers do not have in the world today. Because the world is going to, brothers and sisters, the world is going to get very dark. Right? It's, it's, going, to get, it's going to be shaken. But you and I would not be shaken. We just studied it. You, you, are, you are not in darkness because you are in the light. And you, but it's your choice. Because if you don't have this revelation, you are going to suffer with the afflictions of the enemy. You don't want to. You don't need to. You don't want to and you don't need to. Make sense? But remember what the Bible says. When Jesus saw that they were sheep as, as, as scattered, what did he do? He, he sat up, he went up on a high mountain and began to teach them. Teaching is the solution 
to not being scattered. Let me repeat. Teaching is the solution to not being scattered. Because scattered sheep are afflicted. Why? Because they don't have a shepherd. The wolves come after them, they fall into pits, they fall into stuff. They are into the regular affliction that all the other sheep in the world has. But my sheep know my voice and they shall never lack. Psalms 23 becomes effective because of what happened in Psalms 22. Psalms 22 is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because of 22, we can now say, Yeshua is our good shepherd. That we shall not be afflicted. Amen? So, good teaching, good learning from God's word about he being a good shepherd is the, is the solution to not being scattered in your life. So don't be a scattered sheep. Your one shepherd is this. But today we are going to study something very powerful. And we are going to run through it. It won't be a three hour message. It will be like a one hour message. But we will do it fast. right? We will do it fast. So we will get into it very quickly. But I want your cooperation in it. Right? I want you to go through verses quickly. So you get this. The title of the message is Your Seated Place. Your Seated Place. So we studied last time that your unshakable place. But today we are going to study... So what is your position in this dwelling place in Mount Zion right now? It's called a seated place. God has called you, and Alkesh took that message last time, and, and God is, Holy Spirit is prompting us to continue that passage because you've seen some revelation that you've never seen before. I've not seen it, but I, I think you all will see it. You'll love it. Your seated place. Say a seated place. Seated place. Seated place. Your only job right now on this holy mountain in Mount Zion. See, you say, Anil, but I'm here on the earth. Yes. Let me ask you a question. Jesus' body, after he had finished dying, where was it? In heaven or on earth? Jesus' body, after he had finished dying, was in heaven or on earth? On earth. For three days it was on the earth. But was Jesus exalted and raised and his spirit with the Father? Yes. He said, unto, in, uh, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He had already exalted. Correct? But his body stopped corrupting the moment the price was paid. Did you see, notice that? The Bible says his body stopped corrupting. There was no corruption. Right? Because from that time onwards, his, he made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich with his death. moment Jesus died, from that time onwards, everything started becoming glorification for Jesus. Till Jesus died, it was downward for Jesus. But moment Jesus died, Tetelestai, means it is finished. God started honoring Jesus. His body, no, you cannot leave it with the grave. That means in the, in the time of the crucifixion, the way they would, uh, crucified bodies were never buried. They were dumped into a pit with all the others. And it was all rotting. Vultures would come and eat them. That was the plan. But because Jesus finished the price, now cannot be touched. Now he cannot... He cannot be corrupted. His body stopped decaying. There was no decay. He said, no, 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 not with the wicked. Let him be with the rich. Right? And then the Bible says, there was his, no bone was broken. Remember? No bone, no bone could be broken. Oh, interestingly, the other day we were having a family Bible study and the Holy Spirit was telling him one of the previous messages. He said, Anil, do you know why the bones of the two thieves were broken but not um, Jesus' bone? And I know the natural explanation because they wanted them to die fast because if they, they used to, the way they would breathe was they would support on their legs on that nail and breathe. 
So the weight and the uh, crucifixion was supposed to be a multi-day event because it's so painful. You would not die, you would breathe and suffer and push against the nail and I don't want to get into it. It's, it's, it's crazy. But Jesus died by choice. He said, Unto, into your hands I commit my spirit. He said, I have the power to lay down my life. I have the power to take it up again. So he did it by choice, which itself was a great miracle. Right? But why was his legs not broken? Jesus was saying, God was telling through the Holy Spirit. And this is what he said. Once Jesus has finished paying the price and finished walking, he doesn't want anybody else to walk and work. That is why the two thieves, after he had finished paying the price, that means he has finished the work. He doesn't want anybody else to walk. It's done. He's finished it. Nobody else needs to walk. That's why our job is... That's, so it's a prophetic sign. Your legs are broken. means you cannot walk in this new place. It's this, that's why the Bible says in Isaiah, is this the fast that I have chosen? To keep your feet from the Sabbath. That means stop walking on your Sabbath. Then I will make you ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you the heritage of Jacob. See, very, it's a powerful example. It's a powerful thing. Stop walking on your Sabbath, on your finished work. Don't try to walk on your finished work. Guess what? Your legs are broken. <laughs> My work is done. I cannot walk. I can only, but can a, broken, a guy whose legs are broken, can he sit? He can sit. He can sit. He can sit. He can sit, but he cannot walk. But that's perfectly what he wants you to do. But praise God, with no bones, no bones more broken, right? But God, that's a picture. Work is finished. Don't walk. That is why even the righteous thief's legs were broken. Not just the one who was made it into heaven. Remember one of the thieves? Made it into heaven, but his legs were broken too. Because in the finished work of Jesus, the, a believer or an unbeliever has no additional contribution needed. Isn't that beautiful? Just for a believer or an unbeliever. Oh no, but I'm a believer, I need to do things for God. No, shut up. I just don't do anything. But guess what? The Holy Spirit will work His work. That is Holy Spirit working in you, not you working. That is the Holy Spirit working. He said, me and my father are working. A night is coming when no man, no one can work. He said, but while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Means the implication is, I am the light of the world. So I am the one who will do the work. Night is coming when even I cannot work. But while, is, is Jesus in the world right now? He is. He is in the world. As long as he is in the world, Jesus does the work. That is why uh, Paul says, not I, but he working in me. See that? Look at how careful Paul is to say that he is not the one working. Why? Because our legs are broken. I can't work in this. It's a finished work. But having said that, you're seated, please. That's a good start, right? Legs are broken. See, that's the first thing that happened after Jesus said, Tetelestai. Legs are broken. <laughs> how, how, how prophetic the events are. Legs are broken. Don't, don't attempt to walk because your walk will be crooked. With broken legs, how will you walk? Your walk is going to be crooked. Then guess what? You do stupid stuff. Your walk is evil. It looks lousy. It doesn't make sense. You know what? The way you walk in is by sitting. I know that doesn't make sense. 
But the kingdom paradigm is the way you walk is by sitting. Say sitting. So I'm going to teach you to sit today. The Holy Spirit is going to teach you to sit today. Your seated place. Okay. So I want you to look at Numbers chapter 10. And you'll have to do fast. Okay. Just, just stay with me. Uh, Numbers chapter 10. Numbers chapter 10. Verse 33 to 36. Now this is a, this is how Israel used to move in the wilderness. Okay, Numbers chapter 10 verses 33 to 36. Okay, so they departed from the mountain of the Lord on a journey of how many days? Three days. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them for how many days? Three days journey to search out what? A resting place. So the ark of the covenant goes ahead of them for three days to search out a resting place. Let me ask you a question. Did the ark of God go three days ahead of you and find a resting place for you? Yes. Jesus went three days, found a resting place and then you come and do what? Sit. So so Jesus went three days into the wilderness and found a resting place. Did you find the word resting place in Hebrew is manuka. Say manuka. The word manuka is powerful. It says a resting place. It's a place that came. They said, I'll be Canaan land, a place of rest. Hebrews, they said, all that is a place of this heavenly Jerusalem where you are right now. You are right now. That's a resting place. So he took three days to find this place for you. And he's found this place for you. And you're now supposed to rest in it. Amen? Okay, now listen to this. So they went three days. And the cloud of the Lord was above them by day, and they went out from the camp. And when and when, and it was look at verse thirty-five. And it was whenever the ark set out that Moses said, "Rise up, O Lord! Let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you." So this is very powerful. So they, so so this is how Moses said, right? Every time the ark used to get up to go, right? What do people do? People had to wait. Till it goes three days ahead. And then the people would follow. You would keep ark inside. But people would follow. But they would wait where the ark is going. Right? So when the ark lifts up. Moses would cry out. Saying what? What did he cry out? Rise up O Lord. Let your enemies be scattered. And let those who hate you flee before you. So when the ark goes up. Jesus, he says, rise up, O Lord, which is Yeshua. Let your enemies be scattered. So who is fighting for them? God is fighting for them. And their enemies are whose enemies? Whose enemies are they? Does he say our enemies? Let your enemies. So every evil in your life, every affliction in your life is not your problem. It is God's problem. So when the ark rises, it is his responsibility. But when the ark rests, look at what he says. And when it rested, he said, return, O Lord, to the many thousands of Israel. <laughs> I mean, look at it, it's so powerful. So when, when God goes to battle, he, ba- he battles alone. But when he rests, he rests with the thousands of Israel. <laughs> you see this? When God battles, he battles alone. Doesn't need your help. 
say it doesn't need my help. When God battles, he battles alone. But when he rests, he rests with you. <laughs> I just think about how beautiful this picture is. When God rests, when Yeshua rests, he says, return to the thousands of Israel. <laughs> oh, hold it. You never went into battle. But when you rest, you want all the benefits. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want all the benefits when you rest. But I don't want the troubles of your battle. How many, but Christians know, Lord, I want to fight the battle. God says, hold it. Three days. Stay back. Look at how powerful the picture is. Resting places. When God fights, he fights alone. But when he rests, he rests with the thousands of you. He benefits for you. He said, how beautiful it is. Is anything an accident the way prophetically about the ark is? Jesus Christ. When he, so he went into Jordan. He went alone. Jordan means descending. So he died alone. He suffered alone. He was raised and found a resting place. Guess what? He got all of us in. So the Bible says the kings of the earth, the principalities and powers of the earth, Satanic realm. This is exactly what happened. They closed their mouth and they were astounded. They are like astounded at how can they benefit for stuff that they did not suffer. And till today, principalities and powers of Satan's kingdom and of the heavenly kingdom don't understand this. They don't understand. They seek to understand this mystery of the gospel. How is they did not suffer but they are benefiting from this rest. They don't understand it. But guess what? Yours is a resting place. Look at that, so beautiful. Okay, let's go quickly. Can I add something? Yeah, sure. That uh, verse 35 says, Arise, O Lord, that I would like to add something. It's, it's uh, actually exhortation. Uh, in, when trouble comes, we exhort it. Arise, lift up the name of the Lord. Amen. Something that comes to that exhortation. Hallelujah. And then when we are suffering with it, resting, we are suffering with it. Right. So exalt him. So what he says is, let, let him do it. Let him do it. Let him get the glory. You don't do the rising up. We do the praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now let's go to John chapter 14 verse 1 to 4. We'll have to move fast. John chapter 14. Now he's talking about this place. Remember the ark is searching out a resting place for them. Okay. Let's look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to... Look at that word. The same mark principle. I go to prepare a place for you. He's not talking about heaven. Because what, what place is this? What is this place? If it is heaven, it is not after three days, brothers and sisters. It should be after thousands of years. Which place is this? You know, many people take this verse to refer to the heaven. No! This is the same place that the ark went three days into the wilderness to find a resting place. Your seated place is, I go to prepare a place for you. Look at, look at, I'll tell you why. And you'll say, Anil, prove it, prove it, that this is not heaven. The heaven after you die concept. No, no, it is not. I'll show you where, I'll show you why. Look at where it is. Look at where it is. 
Let only have you travel in my father's house are many mansions. You know the word mansions is, is not mansions in the Greek. It's called dwelling places. That's the word. It's called dwelling places in the Greek. It's not mansions. It's called dwelling places. Dwelling places. Okay. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. See, prepare a resting place. Same place. Same place. And if I go and prepare a place. Look at the word prepare. I go. Uh, John chapter 14 verses 1, 2 and 3. If I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again. I will come again. When? In the second coming of Jesus Christ? Or immediately? Hmm. Uh, right? You have studied this many times, say, as Jesus coming again for us, right? No, 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 no. This is where the problem, because this is what Satan wants you to miss it. That that place will only happen after the second coming of Jesus, right? No! He's talking about after he's died, he goes up in three days, he appears back with the resting place. So powerful. Look at it. He says, I go to prepare, I'll come back, I'll come again and receive you to myself. So where are you right now? We are in himself. Right? Are you in himself? So is Jesus received us already? Or is it going to happen? No, it's already in. We are in Christ Jesus. We are in him. Remember, brothers and sisters, you need to get this revelation. You are in him. You say, I don't see it. Doesn't matter. He is in him. Now I'll show you why even this concept of we do not see is also addressed in this. Where that, that where I am, that you may be also. So where he is, we will also be. Correct? Okay. And where I go, you know. And the way you know. So Thomas asked, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how, uh, and how can we know the way? And he says, I am the way. That means if you have to go to this place, you have to believe in me. Makes sense. Right? I am the way and the, no one goes to the Father. So this place is obviously in the Father. So this place is in the Father because he's saying he's connecting the same. No one goes to the Father. So he's talking about this place. Correct? So it's, a, it's in the Father, this place. Correct? Father, except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and I've seen him. Okay. Keep reading further down. Let's go to Okay, I'm, I'm looking at the verse where he said, The world will not see me, but you will see me. Okay, look at the verse 19. A little while longer. Little while longer. Right? And the world will see me no more, but you will see me. He's talking about the second coming? No. He's talking about the... He's talking about after three days. Right? So a little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will live also. And at that day you will know when, which day? Come on brothers and sisters, which day? Is it after 2000 years? After the second coming of Jesus? Which day? At that day means after a little while. After three days. What will happen after three days? At that day you will know that I am in the Father and you Seriously? After three days, we become in Him? So did we 
days after three days. You are in him and I in you. Isn't that good news? So you see the connection there? He talks about I will prepare a place for you. And then Thomas asks him a question. Where are you going? And how can we know the way? Then uh, Jesus answers saying, I go to the Father. Correct? And he says, in a little while, the world will not see you, see me, but you will see me. Then he says, look, how can the world not see me? So that doesn't make sense. But guess what? After three days, could the world see Jesus? After three days, what happened? Did the world see Jesus? He never appeared to the chief priest. He never appeared to, he only appeared to disciples and believers. <coughs> so they saw it. Why? Because now he is in us and we are in him. So what is this place? We found our place. This place is this heavenly Jerusalem seated at the right hand of God. Can you believe that you are right now in the Father God himself? You don't believe it, right? Because that's a reality. It's reality that we are in Christ Jesus right now. We are seated at the Father's right hand. And the world doesn't see, cannot see Jesus. But we can see Jesus. We see Jesus every day. Hallelujah. So our resting place is now complete. So now you see, I go to prepare a place for you and we think about these mansions in heaven. No! It's a dwelling place that the ark went three days into the wilderness. And found a place. And we are there. Can you see the understanding of this revelation? What it can do to you? You are where the ark is right now. But guess what? The ark is right now seated at the right hand of the Father. And you are in the temple. But the temple on the earth is destroyed. But we are in the real temple. The ark on the uh, earth is... There is a place where the ark is. I'll show you a documentary one day. It's very powerful. I'll show it to you later. But it's powerful. But I'm saying is the, the shadow is pretty much dead and gone. But the real ark, Jesus Christ, is in heaven. Right? Seated at the right hand. And we are in him. Okay. So, let's go. Third day. You know the reference of the third day is throughout the Bible? The first mention of the word third day is with respect to a place. How convenient. How coincidental. You want to see? The first mention of the third day is with respect to a place. I want you to read it. For you to see it. Because the third day Revelation is the third day revelation of your dwelling place. Let's go there. Genesis chapter 24 and verse 4. Can somebody do, read that? Genesis chapter 22 verse 4. Can somebody read that? Genesis chapter 22 verse 4. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar. Ah! On the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place far off. Oh, how prophetic is that? On the third day, Abraham saw on the earth? No. Lifted up his eyes. So obviously the dwelling place is? High, at a higher place. We studied about it. The high mountain. Jerusalem. He saw a place far off. Why far off? It was yet to be fulfilled. Until Jesus came. On the third day. But on the third day he saw it. On the third day the disciples saw it. On the third day, Jesus brought it to be. The prepared place has appeared. And you are right now on the third day dwelling place. Amen. Hallelujah. How convenient that the first time third day is mentioned is with respect to a place. Amen. Isn't the Holy Spirit wonderful? 
how beautifully tied in it is. Okay, let's go to then Second uh, Kings chapter twenty verse five. When Hezekiah was dying, remember Hezekiah was going to die, and the prophet Isaiah came and told Hezekiah through the God told that he will live again, and then this is what Isaiah told Hezekiah: On the third day, you will go up to the house of the Lord. Exactly correct. On the third day, we are we go up into the house of God, and that's how he was healed. So in the house of God, there is complete restoration. Third day. Let's go to Hosea chapter 6 verse 2. After two days he will raise us up. On the third day he will raise us up. After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will raise us up and we will live in his sight. So what happens on the third day? We live in his sight. That means we are in the front of God Jesus Christ. We are in his sight. Correct? On the third day. Okay. Joshua chapter 1 verses 11. And... And this is what God told. Within three days you will cross the Jordan. Did we cross the Jordan in three days? Yes. Jesus died his death and we crossed the Jordan. So what happens when you cross the Jordan? Where are you? Huh? We are resting in this place. Or what was the place referred to? When you cross the Jordan, where are you? You are in the land of? Canaan. So Canaan land is not coming here and then. It is after three days. After three days, you will cross the Jordan. There you go. Again, a picture of your dwelling place is after three days. Make sense? It's also validated. Joshua chapter 2 verses 16. Rahab told the spies, hide there for three days till the enemies are passed. So the, our enemies were passed over after three days. And now, after three days, they, they hid themselves for three days, the spies. And after three days, the enemies could not touch them. Exactly where we are dwelling places. Our dwelling places is in a place where our enemies cannot touch us. Touch us. Because we are post three days generation. Amen. The enemies cannot touch us. Now we are spies in a foreign land. But the enemies cannot touch us. Because why? Three days have passed. <laughs> Hallelujah. We are in a foreign land. Are you a spy here on the earth? Yes. We are spies on the earth. Are you spies on the earth? This land doesn't belong to us. Technically. Because we are in, this, in the kingdom of Satan. Amen. But we are spies. But they cannot see us. Amen. Because three days are past. Do you see how powerful it is? The three day revelation. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 2, 2 verse 17. You know when Elijah was taken away into heaven. They started searching for him. Right? How many days did they search? Three days. <laughs> three days they searched. And they found him not. They couldn't find him after three days. Three days they searched him. The Bible says they searched for three days, but they did not find him. Because three days is past. Cannot find him. See, enemy cannot touch you, brothers and sisters. They cannot find you. But are you alive? Is Elijah alive right now? Was he alive then? Yes. He's bodily resurrected. Isn't it? Isn't it? Right? He was not resurrected. Sorry, he was translated. He's, he's yet to get his new body. But, but yet, he was caught up. He is still living in his sight. Hosea said, after three days, we will live in his sight. So he's living in his sight. Correct? Okay. So our, our heavenly Elijah is alive. And he lives. Jonah chapter 1 verse 17. We know about this three days. Jonah was three days in the belly of the fish. 
And when was he uh, vomited out? After three days. And, and uh, the Bible says in Jonah chapter 2 verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah on a dry place. <laughs> Why dry place? Because a place where you are away from all turmoil. What was the problem with Jonah? He was in the water, in the sea. A dry place means a, a place of safety. You are in a safe place after three days. He's vomited out. So guess what, brothers and sisters, we have been vomited out into this new place. You are no cho- you have been you have been thrown out, man. <laughs> you didn't have to walk into this new place. You have been just spouted out into this new place. You, you, you are not like walked out and you could boast about your walking. No. You were vomited out into this new place in Christ Jesus. That's powerful. Because there is no contribution. How much contribution does it take to be part of a vomit? Nothing. <laughs> That's your place in Christ Jesus. I know it sounds gross, but it is like you have been pushed out into this new place. Oh, we will go year after year to this Canaan land where I will toil one day and walk towards this Canaan. No! Vomit it out! (laughs) Vomit it out into this new place. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Because your legs are broken. How can you walk? How can you walk, man? You have to be carried out. It's beautiful. And then say Matthew chapter 12 verse 40. It says, as, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, son of man was three days in the heart of the earth. Cardio, the Bible says, cardio of the earth. He was three days in the earth. He was preaching to the spirits that were held in bondage. And were held. And he preached the gospel to them. So he gave them a chance. For the ones who, who were all destroyed during the time of Noah's flood, Jesus went. See, Jesus now has the authority, right? Because he's paid the price for not only the ones who believe, but also to the ones who do not believe. See, the payment is over, over, too much. He's overpaid. He's just, he's just not paid, calculated and paid just enough for the ones who would believe. He overpaid for everybody. So he has the authority right now to go into hell. Hades in the heart of... So that truth where hell is. Hell is in the heart of the earth. Right? It's cardio of the earth. That's where hell is. So he went out there and he preached. To all the souls that waited in the time of Noah. All been destroyed. And he goes and God gives them a chance to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. How, how loving and long-suffering is this God. He not only waited long during the time of Methuselah. So Methuselah became the longest living man of all time. Why? Because the, uh, Methuselah, the name means after his death, his, the death will come. The end will come. So God said, just as prolong his days. Because if he dies, I have to bring the end. And he not only waited during the time of Methuselah, he sent his son Jesus Christ to preach the gospel. So that he can rescue them who would believe. So beautiful, right? The long-suffering of God. We are so quick to judge. But God is so long-suffering. He wants to be known as a God who is long-suffering. He would not give up. He did not give them up even after they died. So beautiful. The heart of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Is attractive to bring bondages out. Okay, then. So, so your dwelling place. So let's go to Isaiah chapter thirty-seven. Isaiah chapter thirty-seven. So I'm going to I'm going to take, uh, read this chapter a little bit because this is a powerful chapter of a prophetic chapter 
When God speaks to Satan directly, do you want to see what God speaks to Satan concerning you? You, you, you love to hear what is God is now speaking to Satan directly. This is very powerful, very prophetic. Isaiah chapter 37. I know it's a little long chapter, but if you can understand what God's, God's conversation with Satan was, you'll understand your authority in Christ Jesus. Isaiah chapter 37. So, you know about this passage. This was when Sennacherib, uh, king of Assyria, came and boasted against Israel, saying, Hey, your gods, none of the gods of all the other countries can rescue them from me, because I am so powerful. And this guy's statue and history is all recorded. You go to the British Museum in London or many places, you'll see his photograph and you can Google him. It's a historical figure. This guy was very powerful. He was very evil. Assyrians were one of the most evil people. In fact, it's the same area where ISIS now operates. It's the same area. It's the same spirit. That's why you see the ISIS level of cruelty is amazing. They recently, I just studied that they, 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 they baked 200 plus children in, in ovens where they bake uh, parathas and kneaded them. I mean, they're talking about cruelty as at a level that even God cannot imagine. Amazing level. They, this, this is the same spirit, the same Assyrian spirit. So Senucherib came, came and, prof, and told Israel, who can... Senucherib. Senucherib. That's the king of Assyria. So that is in uh, Isaiah chapter 37. Okay. Did you get Isaiah chapter 37? Okay. So Isaiah chapter 36 is when he boasts. Look at Isaiah chapter 36 verse 1. And it came in the... Pa- came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah that Sennacherib king of Assyria came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. He came and took them. See, Satan had total authority on the earth. He had power over everybody. Now, this is a picture of Satan himself. Okay, and then see what God says to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 37, then Hezekiah prays to God and says, Lord, rescue us. Verse 30, 20, 37 verse 20. Therefore, O Lord our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord, you alone. See, now Hezekiah is prophetically praying that God will deliver them from Satan himself. Right? He's not, so King Assyria is just a principality on the earth, but the spirit is Satan. He says, Lord, only you can save. See, now he's not boasting on the law. He's not boasting on how good they are. He's not boasting on what they did. He's saying, Lord, just save us. See, that's God saying, God is waiting to hear that, right? Anybody who cries out to him, not based on your righteous works, but just because on his mercy, God says, my son is sufficient for you. Isn't it? And God answers. Look at what God says. I'm going to read through this whole chapter, Isaiah chapter 37 verses 21 onwards, because this is powerful. And I want you to read this through with me, okay? Let's read that, okay? Slowly and steadily. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me against the Sennacherib king of Assyria, this is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning him. Now he's talking a word concerning Satan himself. Do you want to know what God thinks about Satan? For so many generations, for thousands of years, Satan had total authority over the sons of men. Until this time, when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. Until that time he had total power. But on the day that Jesus died. And he said Tetelus died. And the place in Zion was prepared. Things changed. And we studied that last time. But this is another picture of Satan. Oh the virgin. The daughter of Zion. See immediately addresses you and I. 
Who is in heaven? This prepared place. His prepared place. Um, the virgin, the daughter of Zion has despised you. See? So he says now the people who are in Zion despise you. They are not afraid of you. They despise you. They laughed you to scorn. <laughs> Can you believe? He says, this is God's opinion about you and I who are in Mount Zion. He says, they laugh you to scorn. Can you believe? Are you? Do you see? You are not afraid of Satan for the first time in centuries. He says, they laugh you to scorn. They laugh you to scorn. They laugh you to scorn. Look at how God thinks about you. And your response to Satan means what? A response of laughter. Laugh you to scorn. Right? Read further. The daughter of Jerusalem has shaken her head behind your back. It's almost like God saying, the daughter of Zion rolls her eyes. <laughs> like, oh, seriously. When Satan says stuff against you, God says, my people, they shake their head behind your back. Oh, this is, this is serious. Keep reading. Whom have you reproached and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted up your eyes on high? Against the Holy One of Israel? So he identifies Zion with Jesus himself. Right? By your servants you have reproached the Lord and you said by the multitude of my chariots I have come up to the heights of the mountains to the limits of Lebanon. I will cut down. Now this is Satan boasting. I will cut down its tall cedars, its choice cypress trees. I will enter its farthest heights to the fruitful forest. I will dug water with the soles of my feet. I have dried it up all the brooks of defense. Did you not hear long ago how I made it from the ancient times? I formed it. Now I have brought it to pass and you shall be for crushing fortified cities into heaps of ruins. Therefore the inhabitants have little power. See God used Satan in a sense to enforce the law. He was an adversary but he used God's law against people. So for the generations Satan was used like a threshing stone against people who boasted in the law because he was an adversary at law. He's a prosecutor at law. So, so he was used as an adversary. Correct? So the inhabitants had little power. And they were dismayed and confounded. They were as the grass of the field and the green herb. And the grass of the housetops. And grain blighted before it was gone. Correct? This is how it was. So righteous people would rise up. They were like grass on a roof. Have you seen grass on a roof? They appear green for a season. But the moment there is a little, a couple of days of heat. What happens? They burnt up. So men were like that. Their righteous acts could only take them so far before God. Before they were dried up. So they were like always wasting away. Until the righteousness of Jesus came. Correct? So, so Satan boasted in the fact. He said, hey, try being righteous. You are like a grass on a roof. You will flourish for a little season, but then you will burn up. Correct? And he boasted. Now God uses that against him. He says, but I know your dwelling place. What I was You're coming out and you're going out and you're coming in. And your rage against me. Because your rage against me and your tumult has come up to my ears. Therefore I'll pull my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips. And I will turn you back by the way you came. This shall be signed to you. Now he's talking to the believers on Mount Zion. You shall eat this year such as has grows it of itself. And on the second year, which springs of the same. And in the third year, sow and reap. Plant vineyards. Eat the fruit of them. So now he's saying, Satan cannot rob your harvest. 
You can eat what you sow. He blessed the work of your hands because Jesus has paid the price. Make sense? So now he cannot use. He's going to. You can eat what you do. You can be blessed. He says the remnant of those who have escaped of the house. So we are the ones who have escaped, right? We have escaped, right? We have escaped of the house of Judah shall take root downward and bear fruit upward. So we bear lots of fruit. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant and those who escape from Mount Zion. So those who are on Mount Zion are called the ones who escaped. We are the ones who escaped. Correct? We just escaped completely. The zeal of the Lord will do it. So he says who will do this thing for them? Will the people do it? No. God himself will do it for them. The zeal of the Lord will do it. Therefore it says... Verse 33, therefore thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into the city, nor shoot an arrow there. Ah, this is where I want you to underline. You are on Mount Zion. You are on Mount Zion. You are on Mount Zion. Say, I am on Mount Zion. In this place, he, who is this he? The adversary cannot come into the city. He cannot come into the city. We are in a holy place. He has no access into the city. He cannot come. Before this, he had access to the city. His, his arrows could reach you. But today, his arrows cannot reach you. He, he, he knows this. But many believers don't know this. That he has no access to you. He cannot come into the city, nor shoot an arrow there. Nor come before it with shield. Nor build a siege mount against it. By the way he came, by the same he shall return. That is why the Bible says, the Satan walks, goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Because he does not have access to everybody. He does not have access to all believers. But some believers would open the door to them. Correct? So if you resist him, he has to go by the same way that he came. Make sense? So because he has no authority in this city, you are on Mount Zion right now. Right? Look, keep reading. And he, sh- and he shall not come into the city. It's a promise. He, cannot, he shall not come into the city, says the Lord. Why? Verse 35. For I will defend the city to save for my own sake and for the servant David's sake. Who will defend the city? God himself. You see the power of Zion against Satan? We are in this dwelling place which is protected and kept in Christ Jesus. Amen? Okay, so so what is our posture? So what is our posture? So this is our posture. I want you to read Mark chapter 5. Remember the demon-possessed man? Demon-possessed man. So the man had a demon. A demon. He had a legion. So this legion is almost about 6,000 demons, correct? And then God, you know, Jesus cast out the demons. In fact, in one of the Gospels, you read the whole Gospel, it is all... Black, 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 black. It's all about the demon and the effects and the uh, uh, effects of him naked, cutting himself with stones and all. It's a picture of Christianity. It's a picture of, of people under the law and cutting themselves and finally being, you know. So it's a very, it's a prophetic, it's a very prophetic chapter. Which one? It is the casting out the, uh, the demon of Gadarens. It's a very prophetic chapter. It covers rapture. It covers our present-day condition on the earth. It covers, it's very part. One of the days we will do that study, but we won't go there. It's a rabbit trail and we'll go into something totally different. But it's a very powerful chapter. You should go back. Hopefully the Holy Spirit will open your eyes to see this prophetic picture of what's going on there. See, he cutting himself with stones. Stones is the law, correct? 
and they got people got adversary uses the stone to bruise himself and he cries out day and night that's what you do day and night and naked because you're not clothed because only in Christ Jesus you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ so it's picture after picture after picture of a prophetic picture about your the status before until Jesus came right Jesus and Jesus only used one word in one of the gospels say go <laughs> and you should look at the gospel all black one red word go <laughs> and the power of that one red word the power of the word but in other gospels there are more red words but in one gospel there's only one word g o and the power of that and another prophetic picture 6000 demons went in 2000 pigs 2000 years have passed 6000 demons 6000 years of demon possession has finally going to run out in 2000 years after jesus has come and we are about we are we are almost seeing the last pig go into the water it's very prophetic we'll talk about it beautifully it says jesus went from a shore to a different shore like jesus coming from heaven to the earth it's very prophetic i mean you don't i think you already covered a lot of revelations in that <laughs> but it is a good passage but look at uh, look at mark chapter 5 verse 15 quickly this is so powerful because we talk about what is our dwelling place what is our posture right now in christ jesus on this dwelling place mark chapter 5 verse 15 mark chapter 5 verse 15 and then they came to jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed and had the legion all past tense who was demon possessed had the legion so he's talking about a believer who has now been saved amen correct was demon possessed had the legion right done so we are in this new place correct what is the posture ah second number one second cloth number three and his right mind look at it so repeat after me because it's very powerful this is your posture on mount zion sitting cloth and with my right mind powerful this is your only posture on mount zion all your victories are 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 happening or not happening because of missing one of this either you are not sitting or you don't think you are clothed or you don't have the right mind sitting clothed and right mind so let me ask you a question so when the principalities and powers saw a believer sitting clothed and his right mind what was their response No, 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 no. Look at it. Read, read Mark chapter five, verse fifteen. Read it again. Then they came to Jesus and saw the man. And they were afraid. You see, the posture, the principalities and powers of darkness are afraid of a sitting believer. I'm telling you, he doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to know that that if you would only sit, he will be afraid. If you would only sit, I'm telling you, if you would only know that the one posture in Mount Zion is a posture of sitting, you refuse to get up. No, I will not get up. I will not. Guess what? Yes, why will I not get up? Come on, come on. Why will you not get up? Yes, your work is done. Or, or. Or a very natural way, my legs are broken. Remember the two thieves on the two cross? Their legs are broken. Finish work. When Jesus said finish, legs are broken. There's no more walking needed. 
I'm sitting. I cannot walk. My walk is crooked if I walk. I'm going to mess up and show the whole world that I'm lame. Why get up? You know, a fool is not a fool as long as he doesn't open his mouth. Correct? We all know that. And I've seen that in corporate meetings. It is so true. I mean, I, I have gone through big corporate meetings pretending I know a lot of stuff because I just didn't open my mouth. <laughs> it works. It works. I'm telling you. Just don't open your mouth. Just mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> the other day, you know, I am there in many of the sales calls with some of these guys. So I, I handle the sourcing side and I'll talk about it. So the other day, this guy was going about, you know, how cloud and this and hosting and finally. So I asked a stupid question. I said, so do you, you only have desktops? And this guy just paused for about like two minutes. He said, desktops? I'm talking here about cloud and hosting. <laughs> I said, I missed it. I missed it completely. I said, I better be quiet. God said, shut up and just listen to the guy. Okay, you don't have to contribute in every conference call. <laughs> that's how, that's how, that's how, as a believer, just shut up and just sit and close and be in your right mind. Right mind. Just be, just, just sit, right? And they are afraid. The moment they see you sitting, they are afraid. Actually, how powerful this prophetic picture of sitting is. It's so powerful. Your posture on Mount Zion is a posture of sitting. Sitting. Posture. Okay, let's go quickly. Revelation chapter 4. Look at what he saw. Revelation. Now, this is exactly what the, the demon-possessed man was, a demon-possessed, was sitting on the earth. Correct? And guess what we see in heaven? Revelation chapter 4. Let's read Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Verse 4, and around the throne, now this is in heaven, this is your current place. This is not a place to come. This is exactly what I'm, we've been studying all these years, all these days. Is that your dwelling place is now, it's not when Jesus comes back. No, it's, you are right now there. This is what you are right now in heaven, because this is what John saw. Around the throne are 24 elders. And on the thrones, I saw 24 elders. Uh, around the throne are 24 thrones. And on the thrones, I saw 24 elders, what? Sitting. Sitting. Look at the sequence. Sitting. Clothed in white robes and crowns of gold on their heads. So beautiful. Exactly matching. Sitting, clothed and crowned. Sitting, clothed and in the right mind. Correct? Their mind means cloud. Mind means with the hope of salvation. Crowns. My right mind. Okay, let's go to Revelation chapter 7, verses 13. Revelation chapter 7, verse 13. Now, one of the elders answered and said to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes and where do they come from? So, one of the elders shows this multitude of people standing before God's throne in white robes. And, and one of the elders points to them and says, Who are these who are arrayed in white robes and where do they come from? The implication is, the elder is trying to tell John, how did they deserve, how did they get these white robes? Is it because of their own works? Or and where did they come from? Did they do something great? See, he's trying to get, get John to realize that the guys who are in white robes are in white robes because of something very important. Look at, look at verse, uh, Revelation chapter 7, verse 13. 
And then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And I said to them, Sir, you know. So he said to me, Good, good question, good answer, right? I mean, the same thing. Never answer. Especially when you are asked in heaven, right? <laughs> Don't try to give them an answer. Just say, Sir, you know. I think you should try that in a lot of our corporate meetings. So you know, you know, everybody feels happy. So you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation, correct? Right? We believers have been rescued from great tribulation. Who went through great tribulation for you and I? Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been, that's why I said, Isaiah chapter 37 says what? The remnant that escaped. You, you see that word that he used? God calls you as the remnant that escaped who are on Mount Zion. Called escape, right? We are out of the great tribulation. You say, no, I mean, this is talking about the Jews. No, hold it. This is what you have been told, that to push it all into the future, so that you can suffer everything right now. No, he says, you have come out of the great tribulation, right? What? Now listen to this, listen to this. Out of the great tribulation, and what? Washed their robes in the, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. See, their, their righteousness is not from them. They washed it in the blood of Jesus Christ, correct? They came out, they washed it in the blood of Jesus Christ, correct? Listen to this. Verse 15 says what? Come on. Verse 15 says what? Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him night and day in his temple. Okay. You know, when I was studying this, the Holy Spirit was so heavy on this word. He said, Anil, why is that word therefore there? He says, it is so consequential to the fact that you are clothed in white. Allows you to stand before God's throne. Therefore, they are before God's throne. You see, if you are not clothed in white, you cannot be before God's throne. Make sense? You cannot go in half-baked, cleaned stuff on your own. Therefore, says, therefore, they are before God's throne. What's the advantage of being before God's throne? They serve him day and night in his temple. temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. Exactly where Mount Zion is. They shall what? They shall hunger. They shall neither hunger anymore or thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them with any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living waters of uh, fountains of waters and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Is this the picture of a believer right now? That is why Jesus after resurrection, the first thing he told Mary Magdalene was why are you weeping? He wiped away the tear from every eye after three days. Correct? It's a, it's a, it's a promise that he shall hunger. So when the disciples uh, ran out of, uh, they could not catch fish the whole night. What did Jesus do for them? He prepared them. Meal. They shall hunger no more. Correct? See, after the three days of resurrection in this mountain place, in this dwelling place that God is, the Bible says God is in their midst. So when the disciples were afraid, where did Jesus show up? He showed up in the midst. So everything about this picture is fulfilled. He, the lamb is in the midst. He guides them into fountains of living water. He wipes away every tear and they shall hunger no more and the sun shall not strike them with heat. That means the enemy, nobody can touch them. 
because they are in this dwelling place. Amen? Okay, let's go to Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 to 12. Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 to 12. Now, Revelation chapter 12 is about the, the, the sign in the heavens about the woman and the dragon. You know that sign, right? Interestingly, we'll talk about it one day. This sign about the virgin with 12 stars, with the moon at its feet, and with the sun, clothed with the sun, and giving birth to a child, is very powerful. It's going to happen in the sky, exactly like this, after 6,000 years for the first time, in September 23rd, 2017. And next live team, I will show um, 23rd, 2017. And I will show you on a software, uh, one of, in the next live team, uh, next live team is the Christmas live team, but on the January live team, I'll show you the picture of this constellation actually happening. It's powerful. Jupiter enters into the womb of the Virgin at the end of November and comes out after nine weeks in September, nine months in September 23rd. It's powerful. So the, 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 the pain, the growing birth pangs is going to start. And it's very powerful. And the only time this constellation, this sign in the heavens has happened before was 6,000 years before when Adam and Eve sinned. And God told uh, Eve that serpent shall bruise his feet and he shall bruise your head. It's powerful. It's very powerful. So why? Because nobody could see the stars in the when a constellation is clothed with the sun, you cannot see the constellation. Remember? Until modern technology in software, you can still see the sun and the stars. It was a seal that has been closed. Very powerful. So, we are living in very momentous times, correct? But this is also a picture of the church. The church being given birth has been delivered and separated. Now look at this thing. Revelation chapter 12 verses 7 to 12. 7 to 12. Says what? Uh, Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 to 12. And war broke in heaven. This is what happened after Jesus died and rose again. War broke in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, and they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them. See? The, now Satan and, and does not have a place in heaven. But who is in heaven? We are. See, Satan has no place. Where is he? He is on earth. But you say, Anil, I am on earth. Hold it. Hold it. We are not on the earth. We are physically on the earth, but we are in Christ Jesus. Huh? We are vomited out like Jonah after three days into a dry place. Correct? We are in a dry place. Amen? Make sense? Oh, man. <laughs> you hope this gets into it, that we are in a dry place. We are in Christ Jesus. You have to see it. Because this picture has been reinforced throughout the Bible that we don't have to suffer the afflictions that the world suffers. Amen. Amen. This has to get into your system because the world is going to shake and darkness and all. But we are not there. So we will laugh him to scorn. We will laugh at him when he tries to shake us because we are not there. So, so he is not where he are, we are. We are in a place where he is not. I don't know whether it makes grammatical sense but where I am, he's not. Where he is, I am not. Right? There's no place found for them. 
in heaven any longer. Any longer. After Jesus died and rose again, there's no place for Satan. That's why Jesus said, now is the judgment of the world. Now is the prince of the world will be cast out. He's talking about the day of crucifixion. Not 2000 years later when Jesus comes back. No. Now, he says, he'll be cast out. So he's been cast out. So the great serpent, blah, 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 he goes after, he cast out. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now, look at when, 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 2000 years later? Now. Now, now salvation, strength, and the kingdom and the power of his Christ has come. That means we are, it's available to us right now. See, when Jesus was on the earth, he kept saying what? The kingdom of heaven is? At hand. That means it is close. It had not yet come. Because kingdom cannot come until he dies. Makes sense. Kingdom cannot come until he dies. Because he is the one who ushers in the kingdom. You cannot be part of the kingdom until you are clothed in robes of white. Only then you can be in the presence of God. Makes sense? Makes sense. So you cannot be washed in the blood of the Lamb until the Lamb dies and spills the blood. So, so everything happened after Jesus died. Makes sense? So now we are clothed in robe. Now we are part of a kingdom where God is not ashamed to call us his king and God is not ashamed to call us his God. So we can call, that's why Jesus told after he resurrected, go and tell my brethren for the first time, not my friends. Till then he used the word friends. No greater love that a friend has for another friend that who will lay down his life. He never used the word brother because he could only identify as a friend. But the moment he died for them, they are children of God, of the same God that who is his father. So they are his brother. Make sense? So he said, go and tell my brethren that I am going to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So now we are part of the same kingdom. He says, in our kingdom and the power and the strength of a power of our Christ has come for the accuser of our brethren that accused them before our God day and night has been cast out. And they overcame him. Now he's talking about the believers. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the... So you have to speak what you say. You overcome Satan now not by doing anything more because God doesn't have to do anything to against the Satan for you because he's already done. So you have to speak what you want against Satan. He... This is powerful. And we'll, we'll go through Esther's story and we'll close with that. There's so much to talk about it, but we'll go. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testament. They did not love their lives to the death. Look at verse 12. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. He's talking about the people who died or you and I? You and I who dwell in heavens right now. Rejoice who dwell in heavens. Where are we seated? With Jesus Christ in heavenly places. He said, come boldly before the throne of grace. Where is the throne? In heaven. We are in heaven. Who dwell in heaven. Woe to those who inhabitants. So we are not inhabitants of the earth. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath, knowing that he has but a short time. 6,000 pigs. He does not have... 6,000 demons don't have 6,000 pigs to go in. They just have 2,000 pigs to go in. Make sense? So he has, he has such a short time. He, he's been cast out. Exactly what the Gedarian remains said. Come out. So now he's come out. Now he's going down. He's going, going, going. 2,000 pigs takes time to go into the sea. But you don't have to suffer. Because where are you? At Jesus' feet. Seated. Clothed. And his right hand. And watching pigs fly. <laughs> and watching pigs fly. You know, it's so beautiful. 
you know, what, I, what, what I was reading Isaiah chapter 66, there's a powerful chapter. That chapter talks about the heavenly, the dwelling place of Mount Zion, correct? And he says, and this is what says, uh, go to Isaiah chapter 66, because it talks about contemporary times, Isaiah chapter 66. You know, Isaiah is a picture of the Bible, 66 books in the Bible, Isaiah 66 chapters. It talks about the creation of God, heaven and earth, and it talks about the new heaven and the new earth in Isaiah chapter 66. That's how Revelation closes, right? Isaiah chapter 66. He says, and he's talking about uh, believers. He says, uh, verse 20, they shall bring all their brethren for, for an offering to the Lord out of all nations, that means all Gentiles, and everybody will come to the Lord, on horses and chariots and litters and mules and on camels to my holy mountain. See, all the, anybody who is saved is now going to the holy mountain. They're coming on chariots, they're coming on mules, they're coming on uh, what? Litters. What is he talking about? That means the gospel is reaching through every means of transport. Through the internet, through the TV, through the radio, through evangelists. So they are coming in. Where are they coming? Where are they going? See? Where are they coming? How, how consistent the Bible is. They are going to the holy mountain. They are going to holy mountain. Correct? We are all going to the holy mountain. On Jerusalem, as the children of Israel bring an offering in a clean vessel. So these offerings God calls, the believers who are born again, God calls them what? Clean offerings. See? Clean offerings. Remember we studied, we took a message called a righteous offering? See, because he calls all believers a righteous offering. Correct? Okay, this one. And I will take some of them to be priests. So God calls us priests and kings, isn't it? So we are priests and kings. For as heaven and earth shall remain before me, so shall your descendants and your name remain. So we are going to remain forever. And from one, from one new moon to another, from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me. So do we worship the Lord from one Sabbath to another? Yes. Every Sunday to every Sunday, believers from all over the world, from one new moon to another, they worship before the Lord of heaven. Isn't it? As a righteous offering. But what do the believers do? Verse 24. They shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. For their worm shall not die and their fire is not quenched. For they shall be an abhorrence for all flesh. So while we are having this place in Mount Zion, you can actually see what? Corpses. Isn't it? Now tell me, how does that make sense? Where do we see corpses? Where do we see corpses? Where they are who have transgressed against me, for their worm shall not die, and their fire is not quenched. Where do we see that? Remember when Jesus said, when one, Jesus once asked his disciple, he said, come follow me. And he said, let me first go and bury my father. So Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. So what was Jesus saying is, the, the people in the world who do not know him are dead. And they are constantly burying their dead. Means they are living their lives and they are dying. They are going to funerals, they are going to weddings, they are going to baptisms and they are burying their dead. They are dead, burying their dead. So every day we watch people around us, dead people, their bone never dies. You see them, right? They are dead. But they appear to have oxygen. But they are dead physically. They are spiritually they are dead. So this is exactly a fulfillment of what you are in right now. If the holy mountain is true, the dead is true. So that is why I know that it is for today because we can see the dead burying the dead. Can you see it? Can you see the dead burying the dead every day in the news? Do you see the dead burying 
Do you see the warm level is quenched? The fire is not quenched. Can you see it? Do you see it? So God has a sense of humor. So I was having this quiet time about this passage and God was saying, do you know, Anil, you are also watching the dead, buried are dead? I said, Lord, how? You watching CNN? <laughs> I said, how is CNN? He said, it's called Cops News Network. You're watching the dead bury the dead. Every day there's violence, every day this. You're watching the corpses bury their dead. Cops News Network. It's, it's so true. Think about it. It's like daily you're watching the dead bury their dead. And you're watching it. And you're like, enjoying the sight. No, you're on holy mountain. See how this passage is completely fulfilled. Isaiah chapter 66, your holy mountain is right now. Is right now. But God says, don't waste your time watching the dead bury the dead because they are an abhorrence to all flesh. Isn't that beautiful? You know, I cut down my time watching a lot of those guys. Now, because of elections, I'm like, <laughs> you know, searching out stuff to find some news. But these this guys are so biased in everything, you know. But I'm saying, is, but, but that's how it is. The world is full of stuff. We need to hear from heaven about everything, isn't it? Amen. My sheep hear my voice. You cannot go by what the world says. You have to go by what the, what your shepherd says. Because he's in your midst. He will lead you besides rivers of fountains of living water. Listen from him. Listen from him. Amen? Okay. Can you give me 10 minutes that we'll do Esther and then we'll close? Because it's such a powerful passage linking to your power of sitting. Say the power of sitting. Power of sitting. I want you to go to Esther chapter 5 and we'll close with this. Esther chapter 5. Esther chapter 5. So Esther is a powerful, powerful prophetic book. The whole Esther is a parable. It's a parable about Jesus Christ. It's a, a parable about Father God. It's a parable about the church. And you should read Esther thinking it's a parable. And the whole Esther will open up to you. Every mention of every number is prophetic in it. Every mention of the position, what they did was prophetic in it. The whole Esther book is prophetic. It's a picture of Jesus Christ and his redemption plan and his church. But Esther is a beautiful picture of his church. It's a beautiful picture of Jesus' church. Have you ever studied Esther as a picture of Jesus' church? In some of the passages, some of the messages, yeah, it's beautiful. So let's go to Esther. Esther is before Psalms, club with Job. So you should be able to find it. It's wisdom books. Esther. Okay, Esther chapter 5. Now, what did we study about the church? They are clothed, seated, clothed, and in the right one, correct? So a believer, after he accepts Jesus, suddenly is in this position of new heaven in Jerusalem, in Mount Zion, seated, clothed, and in his right hand. That's how it is, right? Now look at Esther, picture of the church. Esther chapter 5, verse, I'm going to read the whole chapter of Esther chapter 5, 6, and 7, but I'm going to read it fast, so you'll go through it very quickly. Now it happened on the third day. Hallelujah! Where did we read about the third day? I told you how prophetic Esther's book is. That's the first one. On the third day, when was your place established? On the third day. On the third day. Should we even go further? On the third day, Esther put on what? Royal robes. The church is clothed right now. And stood where? In the inner court. In the most holy place. Correct? 
of the king's palace across from the king's house. Right? In the presence of God. Right? While the king, what? Sat. Sat on the royal throne. So we are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. In the royal house facing the entrance of the house. So it was when the king saw a queen Esther standing in the court. What did she do? She found favor. See, because therefore, Revelation chapter, I don't know which chapter, therefore, he says, because you are clothed in white robes, washed in the blood of the Lamb, therefore they are before God's throne. When God sees you clothed in the white robes of righteousness of Christ Jesus, God says what? You found favor. You found favor. That's it. Third day, you found favor. The place is alive, right? You are clothed, you found favor. So he found favor. The king held out to Esther the golden scepter. Who is the golden scepter? The scepter shall not depart from Shiloh. Who is the scepter? That's a prophecy of Judah. Out of Judah came Jesus Christ. Scepter means authority and rulership shall not depart from Judah forever. The scepter is the rulership and the kingship of Jesus Christ. It's the favor of Jesus Christ towards you. So it doesn't matter what you what what what's going through in your life. God looks at you clothed in his royal robes and he extends out his scepter of righteousness and he says, And what is the response of the church? And Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. Means means what? He accepted it. He's saying that I love it. I receive it. So that's what the response of the church is. As the brother was saying, our response is exalt Jesus. And just thanksgiving. Say, I love it. I accept it. I receive it. Oh no, I, I don't deserve the scepter. That's pride. That's pride. Don't ever do that. Oh, I don't deserve this high salary job. Don't do that. It's a scepter of righteousness that God. Do you do that? No, no one does that. No one does it. <laughs> I know who does that. I know, I'm sure there might be some believers, oh no, I don't deserve this. You know, I'm telling you there are believers who don't want to rise to high places because they feel that, you know, you know, okay, let me ask you a question. When you are about to buy a very nice car, you have the money, are you now looking at what other people will say about you? Mm. No. You have the money, why? You do it. But there are some believers who would do that, right? Oh no, if I have a Mercedes, what will other people think? You know, I'm wasting money. You know, I'm saying, say, you... Hey, the scepter of righteousness has come to you. Kiss it. <laughs> kiss the scepter. When righteousness comes with his goods, kiss it. Because it is not your work anyway. Correct? Remember you were vomited out. <laughs> In your dry place. So everything that comes out, you are vomited out with? Silver and gold. See, how did they came out of Egypt? Silver and gold. So you, you get vomited out in a dry place with silver and gold and you get up and say, no, 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 I don't want the silver and gold. Don't do that. Kiss it. Receive it. Walk. If you don't curse me Huh? If you don't curse me If you do not receive it. Right. There will be trouble. There will be trouble because, because God knows the resources that you need for your calling and your ministry. Correct? He wants you to receive it. Remember when he told the disciples, cast your nets and they did only one? What happened? Exactly what the brother said. The nets broke. 
correct? And they lost much fish. Can I add something? Right. Again, I'm taking there is too many. Right. So when you go take there is a pride. Pride to it, right? You have to say, I am ready to kiss the scepter. Exactly. Kiss the scepter. Beautiful picture of church. Okay, let's keep reading. And the king said to him, what do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. See, he who abundantly gives more than you ask, think, or imagine. That means he, he gives you even what you did not ask for. Did Esther ask half the kingdom? No. But he gave her more than half the kingdom. This is what a believer happens to you. When you are in Christ Jesus, dwelling in his righteousness, enjoying his love, you get more than what you even ask for. You did not even ask. That means you, you don't even pray for stuff and good stuff happens to you. Okay? Up to half the kingdom. And the queen said, and Esther said, if it pleases the Lord, let the king and the Haman come today to the banquet that I prepared for them. And king said, bring Haman quickly, that he may do as Esther said. So king and Haman, king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared. Look at verse 6. What banquet does the church partake of on a daily basis? Communion. Communion. Look at what the Bible says. Verse 6. At the banquet of wine. See, the only celebration as a church is continually to have a banquet of wine. Continually. Continually to have communion. Because it's a celebration of the death of Jesus Christ. It's a continual banquet of wine. Where God will always come. How many times Esther called the king to come to the banquet? And did the king say no? No. Every time the king said, I'll come to the banquet, the king is almost like filled with this sense of, what can I do for Esther? And Esther did not even have to ask. But the king is overwhelmingly, I don't know what to say. He just wants to give and bless. Can you believe how much God enjoys communion with you? When Yeshua has communion with you, God's doors are like, how can I bless Jotsna, Prasa, Suji, Ben? What can I do for them? But they are not asking anything. But I have to find some way to bless them. Have communion. The banquet of wine. It's easy. There's no preparation. How do you prepare for a banquet of wine? Of all the celebrations, a banquet of wine is the most easy to celebrate. Because the wine... Cannot be prepared overnight. Interesting. It is already prepared. You can only celebrate what the finished work of Jesus Christ in his coming. You can celebrate. And the greatest joy of the king is to come to the banquet of the church. The banquet of the church is the banquet of wine. Is the blood of Jesus Christ. The celebration. Amen. So how prophetic it is. Okay, keep going now. What shall be done? What's your request? I mean, can you imagine God keep constantly asking, what do you want, Thomas? What do you want? Keep asking and say, Lord, I just don't want anything. I just want to enjoy you. God said, you can't go by after a couple of days. Stuff starts showing up in your life. Right? He can't. He's a giving God. He's giving God. Okay. Up to up. And, and Esther said, answered this. My petition and request is this. If I found favor in the sight of my king, and if it pleases the king, to grant my petition and fulfill my request, then let the king and Haman come to the banquet which I will prepare for them and tomorrow I will do so. So two banquets. On the third day, but two banquets. Correct. Let's look at verse, uh, Esther chapter 4 verse 16. And uh, when it said, and I, and I will go to the king which is against the law and if I perish, I perish. This is how he, she was afraid to go to the king. See, the church was always afraid to go before the king of God kings. Because you are 
What was, what did she say? If it is against the law, I perish. See, the law was always against you to go before the king. It's always against. The law was built not to bring you close to God. It was designed to show up you how bad you are that you cannot come close to God. Correct? It was law was against you from coming to God. So this is what Esther said. If it's against the law to come to the king and if I perish, I perish. See, beautiful. But guess what happened? Did she perish? No. Because somebody fulfilled the law. Correct? Somebody died. Who perished? Jesus. Jesus perished. Okay. Uh, Esther chapter 5 verse 9. So Haman went on that day joyful and with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai at the king's gate. So this is where the believer is. In the king's gate. And that he did not stand. stand. So what is he doing? Sitting. So Mordecai is sitting. But when he saw that Mordecai is not standing or trembled before him, he was filled with indignation against Mordecai. Remember what he said. When your enemies see you seated, they are afraid. It just messes them up. They don't know what to do. Look at how powerful the power of sitting is. Nevertheless, Hamam restrained himself. This is what Satan does. He doesn't know what to do with a believer that sits at the gate of God. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what to do. He restrains himself. He doesn't know what to do because he does not have his weapons of his warfare that he had before. Because the Lord is not working for him right now. The, the law is fulfilling the righteousness of Jesus Christ for the believer. Correct? So it is clothed in white. Then Haman said, told of the great riches. Now look at Haman boasting. Leaven told them of the great riches, the multitude of the children, everything which the king had promoted him and now he had advanced him above the officials and the servants of the king. Correct. Satan was the archangel. He was the most powerful adversary. He had all the power. He was most promoted. He appeared before Jesus and said, all the kingdoms has been given to me. Correct. He had the power. He was the most promoted. He was in a high place. But that was a boast. Isaiah chapter 37. He's boasting. He said, daughter of Zion laughs behind your back. We laugh behind his back when he boasts about his power over our lives. Uh, 12. Moreover, Habam said, Besides, Queen Esther invited no one but me to come in with the king to the banquet that she prepared. And tomorrow I am again invited by her along with the king. So the first day, on the third day, she has a banquet. On the second day, she has a banquet. Is Satan around during these times of celebration of the banquet? Yes. That's exactly where the church is right now. We have communion in the midst of our enemies. He prepares a table in the midst of our enemies. Your communion is not apart from your enemies. Your communion is in the midst of your enemies. Take your communion. When your ark rises, he fights. When the ark rests, you rejoice. Isn't it? When God battles, he battles alone. When he rests, he rests with all of you. Amen? So your celebration for 2,000 years, was it separated from the enemy or is it in the midst of the enemy? In the midst of the enemy. Where is Hama? In the same place where you are seated. But you are having communion with your God. But can Hamam touch you? Could Hamam touch Esther? Hamam couldn't touch Esther. But is Esther a Jew? Yes. yes. But Hamam cannot touch Esther. Because Hamam is not 
Esther is not a Jew anymore. Esther is what now? Come on, come on. No, yeah, she's a king, but what? She's a one new man in Christ Jesus. She's neither Greek, nor Jew, nor slave, nor free, but one new man in Christ Jesus, clothed in royal garbs. Amen? She's not a Jew when she's clothed in royal robes. But the moment she removes her robes, she's what? A Jew that can be touched. So you are not clothed. You are clothed right now. Your position is different. So you are having banquet of wine with, with, in the presence of the inner enemy. Psalms 23. He prepares the table. What table? Communion table. Amen? It's prophetic. Very prophetic. Keep reading. And again, I'm invited by her along with the king. Yet all this avails me nothing. Look at how Satan looks at this. He says, it doesn't matter that I'm here on the earth. As long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting. He's just bothered about the fact that Mordecai the Jew is sitting. See how, how power. See, so what, what warfare is Mordecai having? Mordecai has tempted all the time because of Haman's position too. To, to get up. But he refuses. So it's warfare. His warfare is to what? To, to stay seated. The church's warfare is to stay seated. Seated in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Stay seated. Refuse to get up. When enemy comes with all stupid thoughts and words and flood and mouth, mouthing. I'm telling you. Hold on, brothers and sisters. You see so prophetic pictures about Satan out here. How he spews you with mouth. He, he hates you. He will tell stuff about you through your friends, through your relatives, through your corporate life, through your business associates. He will tell stuff because he wants you to get restless and start doing something in your strength. He says, but you say, I refuse to do anything. We are restricted and huh? restricted. Restricted. I'm seated. I'm seated. I'm going to say, I'm not, so he's, he's not worried about Haman's position. He's not afraid of it. He's bothered about Haman's uh, being at the gate. No, he's worried about the fact that Haman sits. Sorry, Mordecai sits. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Mordecai sits. Okay. Okay, then keep reading. Verse 14. Then his wife Zerish and his friends said to him, now this is the whole principality and powers of darkness in the world. This is what they are planning against the church constantly. Let a gallows be made, 50 high long, and in the morning suggest to the king that Mordecai be hanged on it. So this is what the adversary does. Satan is constantly trying to tell God that, hey, she messed up. She's broken laws. Kill them. And accuse them. Constantly accuse them. See, they, he cannot kill. Look at how the picture of Satan is. Satan has no direct power. He uses power through the king. Tell the king. He accuses us to the king. But remember in Revelation 12 what we studied. He had, there is no place anymore. Correct? There is no place anymore. Keep reading. Let a gallows be made 50 feet. And this thing pleased Haman. So he had the gallows made. That night the king could not sleep. Wow. So one was commanded to bring the book of the chronicles and they were read before the king and it was written that Mardukai had told of Bigtana and Teresh, two of the king's enoch, the doorkeepers who had sought to lay hands on king Ahasuerus, not even 
Yeah, this king. And the king said, what honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? And the king's servant who had attended to him said, nothing has been done for him. So the king said, who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to suggest that king hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. The king's servants said to him, Haman is there standing in the court. And the king said, let him come in. Haman came in and the king asked, what shall be done for the man? See, this is how God sees. Satan comes accusing. God is thinking constantly in his waking mind, his sleeping mind. When he's awake, when you are sleeping, God is awake. The keeper of Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep, but constantly thinking what good he can do for you. But what is your position? Stay seated. Stay seated. When stay, you stay seated, God keeps thinking and working on your behalf. Keep looking. Say, so what, what should I do? And Hamam thought in his heart, what, more the, what would the king delight to honor more than me? And Hamam said to the king, for the man whom the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought which the king has worn. Same clothes. And a horse in which the king has ridden. And a royal crest be placed on his seat. You see the picture of sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. Do you see this? Come on, come on. Do you see it? Do you see this? Same picture. Same picture. God's impression is honor you more with more sitting. You sat on a sofa, make them sit on a horse. You sat, you had royal robes, give them more robes. You had a crown on his head, give him more crowns. Constant, 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 constant. Look at further. And let this robe and horse be delivered and parade him on the horseback through the city and proclaim to before him, thus shall be done to the man whom the Lord delights to honor. This is how God delights to honor his people. Then the king said to Hamam, hurry, take the robe and the horse and as you suggested, do so for the, come on, read this. Take the robe and the horse and as you have suggested and do so for, the, for Mordecai the Jew who? Sits. <laughs> tell me, sitting was whose problem? Haman's problem. Haman never brought it to the king that the problem is Mordecai the sitter. Correct? But even the king notices what? Mordecai sits. <laughs> See, have you ever noticed it? He's not saying Mordecai the one who, the Mordecai the one who saved me from the <coughs> conspiracy to kill me. See? He's not even, he's not recollecting Mordecai's good deeds. He only recollects the fact that Mordecai the Jew sits. Do you see? Is that funny or not? I mean, is this even, is this, I mean, if it is not true, it would have been funny. But it is true. For God only sees and values, he values the church, irrespective of anything. But he delights in the church that sits. That is why when Martha sat, sorry, Mary sat, Jesus told Martha, she has chosen the better part. The Jew who says, <laughs> if you ever have a reputation in your organization as Anil who constantly just does nothing, just sits, <laughs> it's not a good reputation. Unless you are in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, 
the best compliment is Rajesh who sits. Because God loves to see his people enjoy the rest of Yeshua his son. The prepared place. When the ark rests, what does Moses say? Return O Lord to the thousands of Israel. God wants, when ark rests, God wants the whole camp to enjoy. Thousands of Israel. Return, O Lord, to the thousands of Israel. When the ark rises, he says, let him go to battle and let his enemies fall before him. Let him do his battle alone. But when you rest, we want to enjoy the benefits of it. And God enjoys you enjoying him. He's a powerful, he's very prophetic. Mordecai, the Jew who sits within the king's gate. Where does he sit? Within the gate. That means he is not ashamed of his righteousness. That is, see, for you to be in the king's gate, that means you need to be so confident of how good you are. If you had, if you broke even one law, you would be ashamed. Because the gate is the place where judgment is executed in those days. Right? <laughs> like, I mean, if you are breaking the speed limit, you don't do it before the police station, Correct? Right? I mean, you don't do it before the police station. You break it on a highway where there is no cars. Right? But for you to be, the king's gate is like the cops, where the cops are. This is where the judgment is executed. But for you to sit there, that means you are, you are fully confident in the finished work of Yeshua, the son of God. Okay. So Haman took the robe and the horse, arrayed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city square and proclaimed before him, thus it shall be done to the man whom the Lord delights on. So God will use your enemies to honor you. He will give you the gold of the Egyptians. He will make you enter into the labor of the Gentiles. He will store up, that's, that's all promises. This is not my words. This is exactly the promise. He, uh, Ecclesiastes says, he gives ministry to two people in the world. One, to one, he gives the ministry to store and to collect for the righteous to enjoy. So two ministry. So you have to decide which ministry you are on the world. To work, to collect wealth, to give it to the righteous to enjoy. I want to be in the ministry of receiving. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 or not chapter 1. Chapter 2 or chapter 1 talks about it. Two ministries. Two ministries. Okay, keep reading. When Haman told his wife and his friends everything that had happened to him, his wise and his wise men, look at what it says. His wise men and his wife, Zeresh. Wives are very wise. They can perceive what's going on. And all the ladies said, <laughs> okay. Uh, and Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall. See, Satan has begun to fall before us. Exactly as Revelation says. <clears throat> begin to fall. Is of Jewish descent. So are we of Jewish descent now? Yes, we are of the seed of Abraham right now. You shall not prevail against him, but you shall surely fall before him. Satan surely will fall before us. And while he was still talking, the Enoch's came, the king's Enoch came and hastened to bring Haman to the banquet which Esther had prepared. Now two days, right? So the king and Haman went in to dine with the queen Esther. And on the second day, so 2,000 years, Satan has been accusing us. But he has no power over us. But we remain seated. But God uses Haman to honor us. So my question is, why didn't God, Esther, destroy Haman, uh, sorry, destroy uh, Haman the first day? She had authority. 
So this, this is what I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, why didn't you not destroy uh, Haman the first day? He said, because I want to use the enemy to honor Mordecai. For 2,000 years, he's been honoring the church. He uses the Gentiles to honor the church. Remember, while Esther is thinking about something else, Mordecai is being honored on his, on his own way. Esther's, Esther's need is not about Mordecai, it's about his people. But God is exalting the church while 2,000 years is going on. Right? Is time wasted right now? No. Two days are passed. But exaltation has happened in the two days for Mordecai. But the final destruction of Haman has not yet happened. Nor has it happened right now. Haman has not been completely destroyed. Has he? No. no. But two days is getting up, brothers and sisters, very shortly. Two days is getting up very shortly. Correct? Keep reading. So, on the second day at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, What's your petition, King Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. What's your request? Up to half the kingdom, it shall be done. Then Queen Esther answered and said, If I found favor in your sight. Now this is the church finally reaching out. The cries go up to God and says, Lord, come Lord soon. Because of the persecution of the church. And we are seeing all over the world. Finally when the church cries up, when the prayers come up before the altar of God, and God says, Now! And that's when the rapture happens. Correct? It's exactly what's going to happen. The revelation talks about it. For then this is when the uh, church cries out. Verse 4. We have, we have been sold. My people and I to be destroyed. To be killed. To be annihilated. Had we been sold as male and female servants. Slaves. I would have held my tongue. Although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. So king as Asuras. See king's loss. See. His, the people. The Jews being destroyed. Esther treats it as the king's loss. The church being afflicted and stolen is not treated as the church loss, but the king's loss. When the church is stolen, it is as if the king of heavens, the father, is stolen. Make sense? See how he, she relates it. See, when I am stolen, when I am being robbed, it's not me. It's you, O oh Lord. And he will not permit it. He will not permit it. Correct. So King Asherah's answered to the queen. Who is he? And who is he? Where is he? That who even dare to presume in his heart to do such a thing. See because Christ has died. Satan has no power. Who has authority to do that now? Price has been paid. Correct. So finally Esther says. The adversary, the enemy. See the same word? What he uses for Satan? The adversary, the enemy. Is this wicked Haman. Is this wicked? That means the church is still on the earth. So Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. The, the, Satan is afraid of the church. So the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went in the palace garden. This is the rapture. This is the rapture. The king rises. And Esther rises. The king rises. The Esther rises. And Esther is separated from Haman for the first time. The rapture is your physical separation from Satan. Physical. Right now, you are spiritually separated from Satan because wicked one cannot touch us. First John chapter 5. He who is born of God is, is, is in God and he keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. It's a promise. The wicked one doesn't touch us because we are on Mount Zion. But physically, is Haman here? Yes. Do we see his effects? Yes. But now the king rises and goes into the palace garden. So where are we going? 
you're going back into a place of rest, a garden, where the rapture is. Amen? So that's the rapture. And went into the palace garden. But Haman stood before the Queen Esther, pleading before his life, for he saw that evil was determined against him by the king. When the king returned from the... So when does the destruction happen? The destruction happens when the rapture happens with the church. And then we come back with, with the king. And he is finally destroyed. Amen. When the king returned, see, the second coming of Jesus Christ, returned, to the pal- returned from the palace garden to the place of the banquet of wine, which is the earth. Correct? Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. See, Esther is no longer there. Esther was. Where is Esther? Esther is with the king. The rapture has happened. And he, and he comes to destroy Haman. Where he, but he's on the couch where Esther was. Which couch is it? Earth. He's across the couch. So now, when the church is raptured out, he is now fallen flat because he knows that he has no time left. Correct? And Satan comes to destroy. So powerful. It's very prophetic. Very prophetic. Across the couch where Esther was. Then king said, will, I, will he assault the king, queen, while I am in the house? See? You, you cannot assault the king, queen, while I am in the house. Listen to this. Now repeat after me. Will he also Assault the king, queen, while I am in the house. See, Satan cannot touch you when you are in the house with the Father God. With the king of kings, you are in the house of God. Satan cannot touch you. Will he touch you when the king is in the midst? That is why Revelation says he will be in the midst of them. You see the power of the presence of the separation of God in Christ Jesus that he has met? He cannot assault the queen. So you say, no, no, the church will go through the tribulation. Seriously, will he assault the queen when he is in the house? Will he assault the queen? Will he molest the church when the king is in the house? Will the church go through the great tribulation? No, my brothers and sisters, the, the Satan cannot assault the queen when the king is in the house. See a picture of the rapture? It's so beautiful. This whole picture is so powerful. Keep reading. Will he also assault the queen while I am in the house? And as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Haman's face is covered for the church. It's covered. Means what can he not do anymore? No, 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 no. What is the most important thing what Haman was doing? No. More than that, what was his intention? What is he doing? He is accusing Haman to the king, to Mordecai to the king, or he's planning to speaking, speaking. So God says, cover his face. Done. There is no more accusation against my church. His face is covered completely. For once for all, his face is covered. His face has been covered. So the, remember, the dragon comes after the woman with a flood that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Out, out, out of the mouth of the dragon but they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony their mouth is covered my brothers and sisters in the meantime he'll continue to spew 
but his mouth is going to be completely covered. Okay. Look. And they hanged Haman on the gallows which had prepared. Then the king's wrath was subsided. That is when the seven bowels, bowels are poured out on the earth and the wrath of God is completely subsided. That means it is exhausted when he, when he pours out this wrath on the earth. But where are we? In the palace garden with the king. Amen? Amen? We are there. Okay. Let's read further. And then uh, Esther, so remember the, the, the decree is still on the earth that the Jews can be destroyed. But the, the, the Medes have a rule. Once a king writes a law, it cannot be reversed. So there's a law on the earth. The Ten Commandments is still active. Correct? You cannot kill, you cannot steal. So Satan can still use that against you. So God is not going to take back the Ten Commandments. He doesn't do that. It's still on the earth. But he, what does he do? But the, so the, to get around this problem of the law of the Medes, they did another thing. They would use, they can, they can, you can, you cannot reverse a law, but you can issue another law. Like for example, the law was, you can kill any Jew on this day. Correct? Which was the law on that. So you cannot reverse it. So, so the king says, I will release another law. You can defend yourself against your adversary. Which is what the law is in the, for the a church. We can defend ourselves against the acquisition of the law. Correct? Because Christ has created the law. Now look at what uh, the king said. Verse 8. And the, uh, verse 7. So the, Esther starts pleading with the king. Verse 6. How shall I endure to see the evil that has come upon my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my countrymen? Then King Ahasuerus said to the king Esther and Mordecai the Jew, Indeed I have given Esther the house of Haman and they have hanged him on the gallows because he tried to lay his hand on the Jews. Now verse 8, You yourself write a decree. Say you yourself. You yourself write a decree. This is what the church is supposed to do. Don't stop. Stop pleading before me about your adversary now. You yourself write a decree. You yourself write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring for whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring no one can revoke. This is so similar to John chapter 14. Let's read John chapter 14 and we'll close with that. John chapter 14. Yes. Yes. John chapter 14. John chapter 16. This is what it says. What? 23. In that day, you will ask me nothing. Stop asking me stuff. Same, same words. In that day, you will ask me nothing. Don't ask me anything. Stop asking me about your adversary. You write the decree what you want. You write the decree. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Write it in the king's name. Which king? King Jesus, whatever is written in my name, until now you have asked nothing in my name. That means you never used the signet ring. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now it's a time of decree. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. The blood does what? No. 
No. What does the blood do? No, come on. We studied all this picture of, in this passage of the church, what is the first thing that the blood did? Clothed, sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. So what did the blood do? It washed our clothes and made it clean. So you need the robes, you need to be clothed. And then, guess what? You need to, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word. That means you have to decree. Word of the testimony means, for you to be, have the word of your testimony means you need to be a, a you need to be a, you, you need to be speak, but you need to have authority. That means you need to have a, a royalty. You need to be in a position where you can decree. Only then you can, word of your testimony. So now you are, you are sitting, your first posture has to be sitting. Because it's done for you. Then you are clothed. Because you are washed by the blood of Jesus. And you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And third. You are crowned with. Right mind. Right, right mind. mind. What mind is this? Jesus. A royal mind. A mind that knows to. Decree. Do you see that? Not a humble mind. No. No. Jesus has already done. The humility part of it. We became humble to receive the city. The humility is in the sitting. The humility is not in the mind. The humility is in the fact that you refuse to stand. Then you are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And then you have a decree mindset. Say a decree mindset. You have to speak what you want. Write for yourself what you want. King Asaras told Esther. It's such a powerful prophetic picture. Write for yourself. Stop pleading with me now because you are no longer a slave to me you are co-seated with me you have equal rights guess why what happened because you have up to half the kingdom that means what i have you have you can say what you want wow and there was great rejoicing in the land hallelujah hallelujah so are you going to be seated are you being known as the jew that sits and are you ready fight the warfare of sitting and there's a lot more verses, but I didn't have time to go through it. But let's get ready to set your seated place. Your seated place. And a decree place. A place where you can issue for decrees. I want to say, brothers and sisters, spend time. Spend time decreeing in your life. Spend time declaring stuff in your life. Don't worry. So in the meantime, things might appear crazy. Correct? But don't worry. Refuse to get up. Sit and decree. Sit and decree. Sit and decree. Every time, and you say, Lord, but I don't think I'm worthy. Remind yourself, you're wearing the robes of righteousness. And you are, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the most holy place. Correct? Now you're in the holy place because you're washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So you're in a seated place. Receive this. Kiss the scepter that the king has pointed towards you. Receive it. Receive it. Father, we thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we Lord, Father, thank you for the mindset to be seated, to be clothed, and to decree, Lord, in a right mind. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Lord, let us be known as believers, known as children who refuse to get up, who are seated in the resting place of Jesus. Satan has no power over us. He has no authority over us. How can he afflict the queen when the king is in our midst? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. 
every power of the enemy that comes against us, against our families, against our children. We rebuke it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every area of financial lack, I decree abundance in Jesus' name. I decree it as a king of the king, the king, son of the king of lords. King of kings and the lord of lords is my king. The father in heaven is my father. And though him is my Elohim, I decree supply in Jesus' name. For our jobs, I decree favor right now in Jesus' name. I decree favor in Jesus' name. Every challenge in business, I, I cause peace in Jesus' name. I decree favor in our businesses in Jesus' name. I decree prosperity in our children's life in Jesus' name. I decree wisdom in our children's life in Jesus' name. I decree exaltation in our life in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. The Lord says, the things that you thought that I forgot, I say I remember this day that your abundance and your harvest is now here, says the Lord. And kiss my sceptre, says the Lord. Thank you, Master. The law is not against you to appear before you, says, me, says the Lord. For you are a pillar in my house, and you shall not go out anymore. And Satan has no access into where you are and where I am, says the Lord. Therefore, boldly proclaim and decree and write your decree, says the Lord. For you are a Jew. According to the seed of Abraham. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I decree right now that the banquet of wine, communion times, will become powerful celebrations of victory in each of our lives, O oh Lord, over every sickness and every disease, Master. Every affliction and every allergy, every small and great, we have victory over our enemies, O oh Master. For the ark of our Lord has returned to us and we rest, O oh Master. Oh, we worship you. We worship you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. I can see that some of you uh, uh, have robes of glittering gold. Oh, hallelujah. It's almost like shining. Shining. Y'all are just ready. Yes, and you're like, uh, you're, the, the glory of your robes outshines, outshines everything around you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. The Lord says, start off with the robes of righteousness. Be washed in the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. And now put on the robe of my victory, of favor, says the Lord. And now put on the royal robe of decree, says the Lord. And now receive my scepter of favor and blessings, says the Lord. For you, who he has predestined, he has called. He who is called, he is justified. He is justified, he is glorified, says the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Go from one glory to another, says the Lord. Refuse to be bowed down into the lies of the enemy. Refuse to listen to him, says the Lord. For his mouth has been covered, says the Lord, against you and against your children forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Every acquisition, the Bible says in Isaiah, every weapon that's formed against you, every tongue that rises against you, you shall condemn, not the Lord. You shall condemn, says the Lord. This is the heritage of the servants of the mass. Oh, condemn, says the Lord. Condemn those accusations that come against you and reminds you of your failures 
as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a child of God. Every accusation about your disobedience condemns the Lord. For you are not a robber, but you are righteous son of God. You are not Barabbas, son of the father, by the robbery, but by right, says the Lord. You are a son of the father by right. You are the son and the father by right, says the Lord. You are son of the father by right. Receive as such, says the Lord, and walk in that. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Master. We worship you, we bless you. We bless you. Thank you, Jesus.